0: Hi, this is Dr. William Renner. Thank you for joining us and what we think is the best podcast in America on evidence based medicine. I'm here today with Dr. Alan Safty, world famous gastroenterologist. Uh, both of us have been involved in clinical medicine for more than 30 years. We try to stay up with uh, cutting edge research and try to bring all the information to you so you can decide things for yourself. Today, I want to talk about uh, COVID 19 and the secrets to the success of a vaccine. I know this is a topic you're very interested in, Alan, and I want you, wonder if you could give us some of your insights into the secrets of what will make this vaccine work for all of us.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. Um, you know, after doing well over 30 years of research, I realized how difficult sometimes research is. And often the first iteration of a drug, whether it be a vaccine or whatever, we get better over time. So we understand things over time. So don't think that the first vaccine may be our last vaccine against this. Um, This topic came about because of a recent email, which I shared with Bill. Uh, Somebody mentioned to me, I have good titers um, against uh, COVID-19. I had COVID-19, now I have decent antibodies. Does that mean that I'm immune? Can I go out and do everything that I wanted to do? And the presence of anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibodies um, when detected using sort of a testing algorithm is likely to convey some degree of immunity. The things we don't know are durability of the immunity, how long will it last, uh, how strong is it, how strong is it, you know, the duration lasting. So durability and duration. And it can't be assumed at this point in time, although we think there's some degree of immunity, that individuals with truly positive antibody tests are protected from future infections. We sure hope they are. We need to see, are those antibodies neutralizing um, to determine the functional ability of those antibodies to prevent infections of virus? Uh, So we need to see that. We can test that in a test tube by incubating their serum or plasma with live virus. And we can follow that by infection and incubation of cells. And those are difficult testing to do on a mass scale. Um, So we have some evidence that some of these, you know, people who developed antibodies after being infected with COVID-19, May not keep them for more than several months based upon some Chinese studies. Does that mean that they're not immune? No, it doesn't mean they're not immune. It means we can't measure significant antibodies after a few months. And that was based upon um, out of one district of China. You know, eight weeks after recovery, antibodies fell to undetectable levels in 40% of the asymptomatic people. So people that don't have a lot of symptoms may have lower levels of antibodies. And They also noted that small group of people were studied in small groups. Um, You know, we have to look at T cells to kill the virus, B cells to produce new antibodies. So let's talk a little bit, you know, about these cells. So what we've discovered is that the immune system responds to these spike proteins. So imagine a basketball with little spikes coming out all over it and it's the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 that's important for validation of future vaccine candidates. So these crown of proteins or spikes, which enable the virus to attach and enter into the human cells. Um, So if we have antibodies, they bind to these viral spike proteins. We hope that's where they bind to and prevent it from being able to attach and enter the human cell. And that's what we mean by they're generating a neutralizing antibody. So that's one of our areas of looking for vaccine development is to bind to these little spikes. So your B cells are responsible for producing these antibodies that recognize the SARS or the COVID-19. While T cells play an important role kind of supporting the development of these B cell responses. So we have T cells and B cells and so, what we want is a good vaccine that produces a strong neutralizing antibody against these little spikes. Um, so, a robust B cell response. And we also want T cells or these helper cells to help in the effective immune response. So, it's really a complicated pattern. It sounds very easy. You know, everybody thinks, well, why can't you take some of these viruses? deactivate them, which we can do, which we've done with lots of vaccines in the past and administer to that to patients. What we want is something, a vaccine that produces a strong uh, neutralizing antibody response, not a weak one. And so that's why this is a little bit more difficult uh, than what you would think in regards to vaccine development. So if you've had this before, say you had it, Bill, we're not certain or positive we hope that you would be immune for at least some period of time. My thinking is that we're going to probably need booster of any vaccine we get. Um, you so know, it'd
0: be like a, so it'd be similar to a yearly influenza vaccine that we take. You have to get a booster every year um, to either cover some of the new types of variations or it's just to boost the immunity. Uh, In your system. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, some of the vaccines we're looking at right now require just an initial injection and then another injection 30 days later. And then you may need one on a yearly basis. You're absolutely correct. We do know the common cold, which some of those, not all the common colds, are produced by coronaviruses themselves. Um, And so we look at those in an effort to understand, you know, predict the neutralizing response to the COVID 19 vaccine. We know that antibodies against those have not been tremendously long in duration. Um, So my thinking is, at least at this point in time, unless some of these messenger RNA studies that can get very high antibody responses are, that you may need booster injections in the future. But in order to get herd immunity, we need a vaccine that's effective, say 70 to 80% effective. Most of our flu vaccines are 20 to 60% effective. And we need the majority of the population to accept that vaccine. It can't be 50% of the population to get herd immunity. We're really hoping we'll be in the 70 to 80% effective range. And we're gonna have at least 70 to 80% of the population accepting the the vaccine.
0: All right, that's great, Alan. and. Do you have any predictions of when the vaccine will be available to us? I know this is all uh, speculation.
1: Um, yeah. I'm. Mean,
0: do you think it'll be ready this year?
1: Well, there's a difference between ready and being able to be administered. So at this point in time, I think we should be training lay people and other people in every community in the United States, you know, to have a certain number of people to be giving Actual injections. Right now, we can't depend just on healthcare workers. There are not enough healthcare workers to immunize 300 million people twice. Uh, so, say you have to get an injection on day one, one on day 30. That's and we get 300 million people to accept uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. That's 600 million injections. We don't have the people to do this. So not only ready, but we have to have the infrastructure, which we should be working on now, which I have not seen. you know, The infrastructure in communities to be able to say, how are we going to develop vaccination centers? How are we going to do this in mass scales? Um, we can't just have a community that has five or 10 or 20 pharmacies administering this. You'll have lines down the street. People will be getting COVID-19 while waiting to get the vaccine. Um, That's not the way things work. So I am disappointed in some respects in the training. We have to be building the infrastructure to administer these. So even though some of the um, pharmaceutical companies are gonna be producing 100 million, 200 million injections of whatever the vaccine is before they even test and make sure that it's efficacious, we also have to be looking at distribution and administration. And those are the two roadblocks I see, distribution and administration. So just producing hundreds of millions of doses of the vaccine is not going to be adequate until we've really conquered distribution and administration. And I think we should be working on that in every community right now.
0: Alan, thank you so much for your insights. That's that's brilliant insight as always. And if you like this podcast, uh, please uh, subscribe to our uh, network. Um, please tell uh, your friends about this and uh, stay safe. Wear masks, keep distancing. Uh, let's, let's stop this virus.
1: That's right, Bill. WMD, wash mask distance. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Thank you. Bye.